HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit internationalculinarycenter.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. Uh, before we get started today, make a little announcement. We do have our Anfora Beverage Class Series um, continuing on this Saturday. We're going to be doing a class on the wines of Eastern Europe. So anything that was under the Iron Curtain, uh, Slovenia, Bosnia, Hungary... Croatia, uh, pretty exciting wines. It's one of the most interesting up-and-coming uh, wine areas, uh, multiple areas. So uh, uh, get your tickets at and for a wine series at uh, – we'll, we'll post it because uh, I can't remember <laughs> the link. But uh, if you go to the Amphora website, uh, we'll, we'll have a link to it uh, and hope to see you there. All right. So without further ado, I am uh, very excited today to – have a buddy of mine from the industry. Um, we have Alex LaPratt here. Alex is the sommelier and uh, co-owner of the restaurant Atrium that's been getting tons of buzz um, in in Dumbo. Uh, very, very welcome to, uh, I'm sure, a very welcome addition to Dumbo. And you're a welcome addition to our show. It's good to have you, Alex. Uh, thank you very much, Joe. I'm very happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about uh, how you got started in the industry. A kid growing up in Detroit, um, of right. all places. I've, yeah, I've met a few a few. People from Detroit. What are people? Detroiters. What are? Yeah, D- Detroiters. We what can, are, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, very rarely are we actually from Detroit. We're usually just outside the city. It's just pretty sp- spread out. Yeah, our, our old uh, uh, chef de cuisine at Alanima, Mike Berardino, is from Detroit. I don't know if you know him, but I feel like I've, I've come across Dave Foss, who who's kind of our head bartender at Anfora, a Detroiter, or maybe <laughs> suburb of Detroit. Um, tell us, tell us about like what your your childhood in Detroit and. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't all like uh, dilapidated buildings and gunshots, I know, but. Um, 
It was uh, it was it was pretty exciting. I actually started in restaurants. Uh, uh, it was my second job ever since I've always worked in restaurants. Um, my first job, I was actually a grocery bagger. At 15, my stepfather was like, "Hey, son." time to get a job <laughs> so i started doing that but i had a buddy that worked there with me and he uh he, he was kind of a screw-up so he got fired but it, then he started working at a restaurant around the corner he was making like ten dollars an hour cash and i'm like wow i gotta i gotta get out of this you know uh restaurant uh, grocery store bagging job although later i put on my resume i was a packaging engineer no, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for a grocery bagger, you know, I thought it was clever. And uh, and so that was your first foray into uh, to restaurants, I guess. The, yeah. What 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 was the restaurant? What did you do? Uh, it was Big Boy. It was just kind of like a you know like a burger shake family style chain uh, through the Midwest mostly with the big with the big statues. Yeah, yeah, and the big like the big burger. I think I mean we all saw like Austin Powers. He had like a Big Boy statue or yeah. something. That was it. That was my start. <laughs> and, and, uh, that, I mean, everyone you know has a, is a humble start at some point, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, what what lessons did you learn during your time? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? Like, uh... <laughs> what, what was your first uh, restaurant job where you you're like, huh, this is this is something I want to be doing? Oh, I took it took a little while. I uh, I went from Big Boy. As soon as I turned 18, I could serve alcohol. So I went to another chain called Papa Vino's. Uh, luckily, um, I started dating a girl who worked at a deli, which was across from a, uh, in the same complex, same company of a fine dining restaurant called, um, uh, Morel's in Michigan Bistro. And she was like, you should, you, know, you should try to get a job there. Uh, I think you're going to, you know, you'll make a lot more money. And I said, okay. So I tried and I tried and I tried and finally I got in for an interview. Uh, luckily, I just kept calling until they were finally like, all right, let's just give this kid a job. So I started working there. I was 19. Uh, and what I didn't know at the time... Smart move to listen to your girlfriend. Yeah, huh? so girls, are, <laughs> girls are usually a lot smarter than me. Uh, I try to listen to their advice. But um, luckily, the beverage director uh, was a master sommelier, uh, Madeline Trafon, who uh, is an amazing person touches pretty much everyone involved with wine in Michigan and uh, her office was right right upstairs and she worked for that company I had no idea so I just got very lucky you had no idea that she was a master sommelier or what that even meant or I didn't even yeah. I didn't even know what a sommelier was I read I think I read wine for dummies just the Italian section at Papa Vino's and I was like oh okay that's that's something <laughs> you know. And and how long were you there? What did you, what did you do while you were there? Oh, I was I was the youngest guy there, so uh, obviously I had to work really hard, and I didn't really know that much. And um, you know, it was a lot of wine uh, focused stuff. And and I said to myself, anytime you're surrounded with someone you know that's very good or or the best at something, you should really pay attention and try to soak up as much time as as you could. So I imagine I was very annoying, uh, and uh, I was asking all these questions. And, uh, you know, uh, I was cocky because I was like, oh, I memorized the 13 grapes of Chateauneuf de Pop or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'd, I'm a genius. <laughs> I didn't know anything. It was crazy. And so you go from uh, not knowing anything, but but clearly you're, you're very interested in, in it, to working at great places like French Laundry, Le Bernardin, Jean George. Um, what, what, was the next, what was the next step in your evolution? Yeah, so after that, I, uh, you know, I ended up going to college. I was pre-med. I was at Michigan State, um, and I was going to go to an alternative medicine school to study uh, Asian medicine. Hmm. But, uh, you know, I said, well, I could do that for a while, and then maybe I'll open up my own restaurant. 
And I said, man, if I'm going to do that, I'm going about this all wrong. So I just dedicated myself to wine studies. I worked through a bunch of fine dining restaurants in Michigan. And then Michael Mina came to town in the D, uh, Detroit MGM Grand uh, Casino. I met Raj Parr, uh, who's the beverage director for Michael Mina, and an amazing sommelier, awesome guy. And he was like, look, dude, if you really want to do this, you need to come out to the West Coast. So I, um, you know started looking for opportunities on the west coast and he was like well if anything opens up at me now i'll let you know so i kept checking with him he's like no nothing yet nothing yet so uh i applied to the french laundry on kind of like i don't know i saw i saw a posting for psalms uh online and i wrote this really passionate cover letter and i was really excited about it but i left it open on my desktop for like three days because uh, i was like ah they'll never want me i'm just this kid from detroit but I drank three Manhattans and I hit the send button. <laughs> I was like, whatever. Uh, they called me back, so I went to went to French Laundry, and that's where the ball really started to roll and pick up uh, pick up steam. Now, tell us about your time at French Laundry. Uh, you were a cellar sommelier there. Yeah. What, what does that mean? Well, basically, it meant uh, I uh, I flew out to take this uh, psalm interview. I did like five interviews over the phone, and I got there, and their wine program was in a bit of a transition. Um, but when they they realized I didn't know a ton about wine and I wasn't that refined yet um, you know they were like well we could offer you a food running position so they offered me $10 an hour to take food from the kitchen to the guests in the dining room and I was like let me think about it I go back and I tell uh, my girlfriend at the time we had a condo we had you know all this nice furniture and stuff I'm like look babe I'm gonna move out to the west coast I'm gonna rent an apartment I'm gonna work for $10 an hour I'm gonna ask you to move back in with your mom put all our stuff in storage and uh, that was that was. Yeah, what did she say? She was like, "Okay, I I believe you. I trust you. You know." So I did that, and then I just I just worked really really hard. I didn't take any vacation days, um, and uh, anything that needed to be done in the wine program, like yeah. I was a first to volunteer. Anytime something you know needed to be cleaned up, it was you know I'd, I'd love to do it. I was really excited to be there. I was really drinking the Kool Aid. It was a great environment. Uh, so eventually, I I made myself so. Uh, indisposable that they they created a whole new position yeah. that they had had it per se but never at French Laundry called the Cellar Sommelier. And what year was this? Uh, this is like 2008, 7, end of 7. 2007. Yeah. And then a few years later you win the award for Best Sommelier in America. That seems like a very short amount of right. time. You must have been hitting the books pretty hard. No, every morning I'd wake up at like 7. It was so beautiful in Napa, this fog rolling off the vineyards, a cup of coffee, you read through your note cards, you know, and then um, I had a great mentor there, Dennis Kelly, really helped me. Uh, and then uh, 2009, November 1st, I moved to New York um, just to you know, keep pushing and, and expanding. And uh, Daniel Jonas was, was kind enough to offer me the position of head psalm at DB Bistro, uh, which was an amazing introduction to New York. Uh, and then while there, I just kept studying, and I saw that opportunity for uh, Best Psalm in America competition. I didn't think you know, in a million years I would win because there's so many talented sommeliers out there. But you know, it just all kind of came together. Tell us a little bit about the competition. What were some of the most challenging aspects? Oh, well, first of all, the intimidation factor, not only of your peers that are so talented, but also the judges. It's some of the best psalms in the country that, that were there. I mean, Raj Parr, who I had known for you know quite a while since the Amina days, was there. He was one of the judges. Um, there was Lisa Granick, Master of Wine. Um, let's see, Robert Bohr was there. Uh, you know, Andrew Bell. I mean, it's just all these people you, you, you read about, but at that time I didn't really 
know yeah, all of these people well. who are so so smart. They're they're all great people, but there's they're intimidating in how smart yeah. they are. Every single one of them. No, I know. <laughs> I, it's I like, love them all. But, God, these guys are amazing, <laughs> and here I am. Like, I just hope I don't mess this up. <laughs> That's awesome. What what was a big highlight for you, other than obviously uh, the the win? Yeah, the service portion is, was the the most exciting part for me because that's where you know that's what I do on the floor every night and uh, I always have. Uh, so I feel like it's an area that I excel in. What walk us through? Did they give you some ridiculous? Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> uh, and then so you got Aldo Som there as well as the Maitre D. So like even more pressure. Uh, and he's throwing curveballs left and right, and it's a dining room scenario with three active tables and it's like you're actually in the restaurant but then someone joins but there's no chair so you gotta find a chair but oh wait you're supposed to decant that you know 67 Barolo over on this table and they're still waiting for their wine pairings and it's just like how do you you know how do you juggle all of that with with grace and finesse and you know skill yeah and you, you clearly uh, figured it out. Yeah, I got, I got very. <laughs> what's the tip though? What's, what's your tip for, for how to, how to kind of analyze all those things and put them in order in your brain? Well, you know, uh, I was kind of um, not necessarily on autopilot, but I was so used to doing that every day in the dining room mm-hmm. that that made it really easy. But the thing I kept telling myself is not to be stressed out or be scared, but this was a great opportunity to share your passion with the, some of the best people in the industry, the people that are judging you or watching you. You know, so, uh, you know, it was just it was a real honor to be able to take care of them in that in that kind of situation. Yeah. And that that took a lot of stress off my shoulders. Uh, a lot of a lot of pressure to perform came off and just allowed me to, to be myself. Yeah. And uh, I guess uh, we met during your time at, at DB Bistro. Uh, I really have to say that's I mean, really, truly one of the best restaurants anywhere near that area. Yeah. Um, you guys really performed on another level. And uh to be able to be in Midtown near the theater and still be able to get like a super high quality meal is pretty awesome. Yeah, I was super fortunate. I I look back on it. I didn't when when I was leaving California in French Laundry. I was thinking, oh, DB Bistro. It's a bistro. I don't know that much about it. I've read about Daniel Jonas and uh, Daniel Ballou, but man, did I ever get lucky? Yeah, that was that was the best thing to happen to me. Probably uh, they. So DB Bistro is kind of. Uh, <laughs> Famous for the the truffled foie gras, but That's probably, right. as far as I know, maybe started the the trend for gourmet super burgers. gourmet burgers. Mm-hmm. What is what's your wine pairing? If if you could have any bottle that was on the list there for that the truffle foie, that yeah, that, burger. That thing is so rich and so big. Could you and eat juicy. a whole one? No, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't. It's also got short ribs in it. It's short ribs, foie gras, and like beef. It's intense in truffles. Uh, you know, I, if if Deep I could pick fried anything, and drizzled with oil, I know no, basically. No. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be. It's so rich. It's like uh, you know, heart doctors' uh, biggest worry, right? Uh, I would personally pick something uh, like uh, a Solaire Champagne, something you know, oxidative. It's powerful. It's big, rich. I mean, you could always do like a vintage Salos if if budget's not an issue, or something like. Uh, are there other? I mean, I've had the Salos Solera aged mm-hmm. champagne, but I, I actually don't know of of any others. Is um, that somewhat common? Well, one of my favorite is uh, Henri Bio. Uh, he does the Cuvée Leticia, and it's actually the first Solera system champagne ever, and it's a little bit more fresh, uh, I find, than than Salosa. So um, I think. I don't know. I think Skernik has it in the city, and it's awesome. I think it's about 
mm, 80 bucks wholesale or something like that 70 bucks okay still not cheap no but <laughs> <laughs> no but amazing amazing stuff yeah oh that sounds that sounds awesome uh Okay, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to be back with more of Alex LaPratt, the sommelier and co-owner of Atrium, uh, right after this. You are listening to When It Rains by Four Lincolns on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The International Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. All this crowd and all this dirt If I could just bring with me one thing And that's love, 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 love We're back on In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm here with Alex LaPratt of Atrium. Alex, so tell us uh, a little bit about how uh, Atrium came to be. Uh, Well, it's uh, really a collaboration of uh, three partners, myself, uh, the general manager, Leslie Afre, and uh, the chef, um, Laurent Calcatour. We all met uh, when I took uh, the position at DB Bistro. We all worked there. Uh, and after I moved on to uh, Atera Jean-Georges and uh, Le Bernardin, we all stayed in, in touch and we were talking about uh, different opportunities. And so we started putting together like a plan, a business plan, and looking for spaces. Uh, we actually were starting in the West Village is where we were looking because that's like so hot right now. Yeah, know? it'd be great to have you as a neighbor. <laughs> I, no, I don't want to compete with you guys. Rent, rents are insane <laughs> though, but uh. no, I mean, we, we never look at a, another like great restaurant opening up as competition. Yeah. It's always just like another reason for people to come to, to our neighborhood. So you know? true. So true. I wish uh, we're, we're actually waiting for more to open up around us because uh, we ended up taking a space down in uh, Dumbo in the historic part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's beautiful. Cobblestone streets. You can see the Brooklyn waterfront. There's the whole uh, Brooklyn Bridge Park. But there's not there's not a lot down there yet. So so people don't know to kind of venture down there for dining. Hey, I think uh, it's a super smart move to, to go to Dumbo, a really underserved neighborhood. It's beautiful, historic. Uh, great people there, um, but still not a ton. Uh, and close to the city, what proximity to the city, yeah. but not a ton of, of great restaurants. And that area is so hot right now. There's so much uh, development happening, mm. a lot of residential and commercial. And and, and like you just said, it, it really is just a, a few minutes away from lower Manhattan. 
you got the Manhattan Bridge and the Brooklyn Bridge and all these great scenes, you know, scenic views. And, uh, I mean, it didn't take a genius to realize at one point, you know, waterfront <laughs> property just outside of Manhattan is going to going to develop and, yeah. and we're kind of on the cusp especially of because so much of the like the waterfront in new york city is either like highways or industrial mm-hmm. so that's one of the few areas where it's just like perfectly situated to be scenic you yeah know? i really do think it's the most beautiful neighborhood in all of new york i really do that and brooklyn heights are just gorgeous yeah I- i'm gonna i'm gonna have to throw into the mix my new neighborhood park slope i'm a big fan (laughs) (laughs) let's hear for park slope (laughs) but um okay so when when did you guys open up and what what was the opening like yeah so uh july 25th was our first day to the public um you know and it it just uh snowballed after that you know just very quickly um you know when you're opening a restaurant uh especially as an owner it's all-encompassing um you know, we we basically live there. There's always at least one partner there, if not two of us. Yeah, you know, and, and it's it's intense, uh, but a lot of fun. Um, you know, and we've been really fortunate because that neighborhood, even though there's not a ton of people there, and there's a good amount of foot traffic because of the park, but we have a lot of regulars. So once people come, they always come back, which is awesome. Fantastic. And what did you do with the wine program? Uh, so there we're doing we're doing a lot of um, neat things. We have a, a, an extensive by the glass program. I'm a big believer that uh, you can gauge a wine program by its by the glass offerings. It's an area that I find that is often overlooked, uh, and a lot of people go right to markups on a by the bottle. Um, but I'm a big fan of, in offering really, really high quality wines by the glass at a, at a portable price. Uh, I'm also working with the Coravan. I helped uh, develop that. Um, you know, test you it helped out. develop the Coravan. Well, I wish I helped develop develop it, but yeah. I just tested it out yeah, okay. for a year before it got released because I think I'd be rich. That thing is so amazing. It's amazing. We have yeah. it at all the restaurants. Oh, awesome! Yeah, we're doing um, a bunch of old Rioja by the glass right now, back to 1970. Uh, I actually just had the uh, the Consejo from Rioja in the other day. Uh, for dinner and it was awesome. Um, That's incredible. Yeah, we t- we were tasting all these crazy Riojas, but you can get them at, at Atrium Dumbo by the glass. Uh, they're very very affordable. Seventy, seventy three, eighty one, eighty. One wine that I've heard a lot about that I never had a chance to taste is older Muga. I've heard that Muga from yeah. the, the seventy eight and earlier mm-hmm. is pretty extraordinary. Yeah, I've had a few bottles of seventy and it was awesome. Um, uh, uh, when I first came to New York, uh, I think Tempranillo's a distributor. They had an old vertical. And I bought it, and it was amazing. We we sold it out at DB Bistro. It was really, really good. They're fantastic. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and we're just trying to keep uh, people involved and, and kind of expand their knowledge for, for wine and food in that area. Um, you know, we've got a couple cool events coming up. Uh, because we're, we're subscribing mostly to the neighborhood, we've got uh, Super Bowl. We're throwing a Super Bowl party on the second. Uh, running a projector, we're going to project the game and just kind of hang out. Um, you know, we've got a great cocktail program as well, in addition to the wines. Uh, but after, let's see, after Super Bowl, we have a, a dinner with Literai, one of my favorite biodynamic nice. producers uh, on the West Coast, and Sonoma Coast. Uh, Ted Lemon, amazing winemaker, and a good friend of mine, Rachel Dixon, is now their national sales manager. So we're doing a, a dinner with Literai on the 5th, awesome. February 5th. 
How do you get tickets for that? And- uh, Eventbrite. <laughs> okay. And you can also go through uh, our website at uh, atriumdumbo.com um, and click on the events page. All right. You might see me at that one. Yeah. No, you should come. I love those wines. We're tasting a bunch of stuff that's just getting released as well as some older uh, Chardonnays and Pinots. But, man, those wines have such vibrancy and, and they show so well. Yeah. Really great he's, he's someone who's been doing really good wine for for a long time. You have all these like great new wave Italian, uh, uh, California producers, but he's kind of, he, he's, he's been known, he's been doing it the right way for a long yeah, time. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. Like I, I hear stories about him and his wife, uh, like inside drinking coffee, like just chilling. And then there's like a coyote chasing chickens out in the yard. They'll just jump up and they'll run out and like chase it off and like bare feet, you know, and like, you know, they, they just run out like no jacket or anything. It's crazy. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, biodynamics, man. Gotta, gotta take care of the vineyard out there. So tell us about the uh, the food at Atrium. So uh, the food is uh, using a lot of uh, French technique, which uh, Laurent is classically trained. He worked for Ducasse and Boulud and uh, you know a bunch of other great French restaurants in France. Uh, but we're using uh, basically the Brooklyn market, uh, wh- whatever you can find kind of in the Brooklyn area uh, to use local produce and, and, and more uh, food that, that's you know more approachable for the neighborhood. Uh, we're not trying to, uh, you know, get too crazy or, or reinvent things. We just want to make it really delicious. I, lo- I just love this idea of, of what you guys have going on. Um, I have, I've, as you know, I've, I've yet to to dine uh, at Atrium, but uh, I've I've t- taken a look at the at the wine list at the menu. It seems like there's so many just enticing things, and it is uh, just very well priced. Um, it's, you know, it's nice to be able to experience like you, you got your, the, your experience, the pedigree that you guys have. Um, but it's, it's welcoming. It's, it's welcomely priced. Uh, and I can't wait, I can't wait to get there, man. Yeah. That's, that was one of the things that's most important to us when we were doing this was, uh, uh, to be non-pretentious in everything that we were doing because, uh, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money to have good service or to get a great product, I think, and, and you know, just make it really accessible. Come in with jeans or, you know, flip-flops, whatever. It's cool. Come in. Uh, it's nice. Uh, and um, we're focusing on more than just the wine. We've got this great cocktail program. I was really fortunate to work with uh, Payman Bamani from uh, PDT when we opened. He helped us put together the original cocktail list. Uh, and now we've just released a, a whole new cocktail menu. Uh, super talented uh, head bartender Peter Duff from uh, Del Posto is with us. So it's just a it's a really great crew to to come in and take care of uh, uh, the guests. That's awesome. And something that uh, that I'd always wondered about in that neighborhood was what the kind of late night business and mm-hmm. maybe early week business would be like because yeah. of it being such a residential kind of neighborhood. Are you finding that? You're able to to keep it full later at night, and, and what, what's what's the kind of traffic pattern? It's like there? it's really expanding by word of mouth. Uh, early week is always a bit more difficult. Uh, you know, Fridays and Saturdays, the weekend, we we've you know we've got great traffic, people leaving the city or people deciding to go out. Uh, but it, it is an interesting neighborhood. Um, we're starting to build that late night business though, which is great because there's not a whole lot of options for awesome cocktails mm-hmm. in that area or or a bar scene. Uh, ours is really, you know, very warm and wood and, you know, all these great drinks. So people are coming late at yeah. night, which is great. You know, and w- you know what? I absolutely love Vinegar Hill House. Mm-hmm. I-, I love that place. But that's even further out of the way. Yeah. You know, and I've never been there where where it has not been busy. 
Right. Well, they, they, they were really smart. They picked an area and then just stuck with it and just stayed consistent. And, you know, eventually word of mouth spreads and people, if they have a good time, they come back, you know. Uh, one thing that we're getting ready to do is we're going to open for lunch here very soon. Uh, and we think that all the offices in the area are really going to, you know, receive it well. And, and uh, we should see a, a big, big spike in business there. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree that, that I think you guys are going to kill it for lunch. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, I read somewhere recently that, that you're a fan of Zinfandel. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. You know, uh, you know I've never, <laughs> we haven't had any Somalis on the show that, that will openly admit to being fans of Zinfandel. Well, <laughs> after working with uh, Thomas Keller at French Laundry, he was like, everything has to be, you know, American wine and, you know, and he was really pushing it. But, uh, there's there's great Zinfandel out there, uh, especially high altitude, cooler climate. Zin, it's got great balance, great fruit, and it, and it's very fun. You know, uh, I just I think it gets a bad rap with all the over alcohol flabby Zin out there, and uh, some you know try to stay away from it. But if it's well made, I think it's delicious. Can you tell us a couple of the producers that you really like? <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of Storybook uh, Mountain. It's uh, just across like if you're at Peter Michael's Vineyards mm-hmm. and you're looking out south. Like, you can see it from there, and it's amazing. Same altitude, really, really great stuff. And the other one is from uh, Kivira, which is in Dry Creek Valley, which is pretty warm. But they're a biodynamic producer, and it's, uh, you know, it's not super pricey, but very, very well-balanced. Delicious. Yeah. Another another region that, that, I guess, generally doesn't get a lot of props that I, that I read that you're very into is Bordeaux Blanc. Oh, is that true? Yeah. All right. I think it's underappreciated. It's like uh, the Sancerre of the winter, <laughs> if you think about it like that. It's It's got more texture and incredible minerality, uh, and, it, and it's super food friendly. Uh, I love Bordeaux Blanc. It's historically, um, maybe the main criticism would be that a little bit too oaky and not enough kind of pulp to, to stand up to that, but you're finding that there are more and more that, that are balanced. Yeah, you know, it, it is it is true. you gotta, you got to pick your battles because it's either no oak in Bordeaux Blanc and it's super inexpensive or there's too much oak and you're paying a ton of money. But uh, I usually go for second labels from top chateaus. Like right now I'm pouring uh, Chateau Carbonia uh, Blanc and it's amazing. The, huh. the Blanc de Carbonia, yeah, it's, it's really good. That's a great tip. That's yeah. great. And now you've dropped the, uh, the biodynamic word a few times mm-hmm. here. Uh, I just want to know what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on is that something that you try to focus on, wines that, that make, uh, you know, use biodynamics in the vineyards? I try to stay away from any set dogma if I can. I, I believe in well-made wine uh, that's well-executed and delicious. And I also am a big stickler for value because, you know, I don't want to pay a lot for it. I want to get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of complexity, but I don't want to pay a lot for it. And biodynamics, you know, you can't necessarily quantify everything that goes on there, but it definitely puts the, the winemaker in the vineyard a lot more, and they really pay attention and you know they're not using you know chemicals, and I think I think all of those things are really good. Those are good things. Uh, you know. Yeah, I, I I think so too. I think just preserving and promoting life in the vineyard in mm-hmm. general um, tends to make wines that have a lot more energy. Yeah, I feel I feel I feel like I can agree with that for sure. Cool. Well, Alex, it's been such a blast having you on the show, man. I I really appreciate it. I cannot wait. To come check out Atrium, I, I hopefully I'm going to be able to come to the uh, the Literai dinner too because what a I mean that that's huge that's awesome dude thanks man <laughs> yeah we can't wait to have you uh, you know it's always the best part of our day when we get to take care of someone else in the industry 
Excellent. Uh, and uh, thanks to all of you for listening. I hope to see you this Saturday, 3.30 to 5 o'clock at Amphora. Go to the Amphora website uh, to purchase tickets. And thanks so much for listening. We'll chat with you next week on In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.